0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy Lights. Red light therapy, also known as photobiomodulation, is gaining popularity and with good reason. Many people swear by red light therapy for skin health and to help slow the aging process. But research shows that it can benefit the body in many ways. In fact, in a recent episode of this podcast, one guest explained how dramatically light impacts the body, influencing everything from sleep to hormones and much, much more. He explained that some research shows that red light can actually help protect against damage from too much artificial blue light exposure or too much sun exposure. And I've noticed this as well, that if I spend time getting red light naturally in the morning from morning sun or spend time in front of my red light therapy light i tend to have better sun tolerance throughout the day and so this has been part of my personal strategy for mitigating sun damage while living in a very sunny climate and spending lots of time in the sun red light does naturally occur at some times of day too like the morning and evening around sunset so that's another great reason to spend time outside first thing in the morning with your family, sipping a cup of coffee, or watching the sunset. But for those of us who can't make that an everyday habit, at-home red lights like Juve are a great solution, and I have one in my bedroom at home. You can learn more about Juve and about red light therapy, and lock in an exclusive Wellness Mama discount by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash wellness mama. This podcast is sponsored by Haya Health. That's Haya, H-I-Y-A, a new approach to kids' vitamins. At Haya, they believe that many kids' vitamins create more problems than they solve. Basically as candy in disguise with as much as two teaspoons of sugar and all kinds of gummy additives you don't want your kids eating and you probably don't want sitting on their teeth either. Haya is made without the sugar or the junk and kids love them just as much. They arrive straight to your door on the pediatrician recommended schedule the other great part about Haya: your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle so your kids can personalize it with stickers and then every month after they just send you a no plastic refill pouch full of vitamins which means that Haya isn't just great for your kids it's also good for the environment and eco-friendly check them out and learn more at hyahealth.com forward slash wellness mama that's h-i-y-a com forward slash wellness Mama. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And this episode is incredibly important for any of us who breathe air, eat food, or drink water. And it's because we delve into some of the real dangers of some of the climate change problems that we're having and what the real roots are. And the bottom line is, it's not the story that you're hearing from most outlets. I'm here with John Rulak, who I knew as the founder of Nutiva. He's also the executive producer of a documentary called Kiss the Ground that is available on Netflix. But he's a serial entrepreneur, a hemp innovator, and a writer and champion of regenerative agriculture. He has been on this uh, journey of regenerative agriculture and environmentalism for about 40 years. And he brings some much needed points to this conversation. He's founded six nonprofits, including Great Plains Regeneration and GMOinside.org. I linked those in the show notes. But um, we go deep in this episode about the missing pieces in the climate change equation, why some of the narratives about plant based agriculture. Being better are actually not just wrong, but harmful. How a lot of our current practices are damaging our rivers and our ocean in a massive way that could lead to an end of all ocean life within a few decades. Um, The reason our rivers are brown when they should be blue, why we're seeing so many insects die at such a rapid rate, and what the solution is. Um, Really fascinating episode. We go deep on a lot of topics. I think it's really important to hear um, a quote that really stood out to me from the episode, at the current trajectory, in just a few decades, there won't be much left alive in our oceans as the phytoplankton dies, all because of how we grow our food. So um, definitely tune in, pay attention, and listen at the end for a few steps you can take in your everyday life that can help reverse some of these problems. But without further ado, let's join John. John, welcome to the podcast.
0: Great to be here, Katie. Thanks for inviting me.
1: I am excited to chat with you because I have known you for a long time as the founder of Nutiva, but you have also been doing a lot of work in another area that I think is so important right now, and that is in the area of regenerative agriculture and you were the executive producer of a documentary a really phenomenal documentary called kiss the ground so we have a lot of directions we're going to go under the umbrella of regenerative agriculture and we're going to bust some myths but first talk to us about kiss the ground and what was the impetus for that documentary
0: yeah well thanks it's uh you know soil health is is such an important topic and and about seven years ago I was actually in Missouri and and uh, one of my l- longtime friend and a, and a mentor, Will Allen, gave a talk. He's an organic farmer in Vermont. He gave a talk about agriculture and its role in climate change and how bad you know synthetic fertilizers are to the climate. And I was like, wow, yeah, I've, I'm a longtime advocate of organic foods. And. And better farming, but I had no idea that agriculture w- had such a major impact on climate change and 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 how soil health was a was a great solution uh, to uh, addressing climate chaos and that really kind of opened my eyes up to the potential of regenerative agriculture and then and then I noticed that Virtually no one was talking about that in the organic farming movement. No one was talking at the natural products industry, uh, food companies, even though climate change uh, back then was was a, a major issue. So I said, well, why don't we make a movie and, and educate millions? And so, uh, and then I met the filmmakers and 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 of course I would known the folks from Kiss the Ground, uh, Ryland Finian and their team, and uh, uh, the rest is, uh, The rest is history, as they say.
1: And I think this is a really important point because uh, I think there's been a lot of information, especially in a lot of mainstream sources, about climate related problems. And a lot of them seem to focus on livestock and cows specifically and largely ignore a lot of other types of really potentially bigger problems in my mind, Um, where we used to live in Kentucky, we actually backed on to a big farming area. And I saw firsthand the amount of chemicals that were sprayed on these corn and wheat and soybean crops um, all the time. And then potentially all the problems resulting from that with water runoff and things like that. But I feel like so much of the discussion has just centered on cows and methane, but you do such a great job of really delving into how much more widespread this problem is and how we might actually kind of be cutting off our nose to spite our face with some of these measures. So walk us through some of these other massive problems that we're seeing when it comes to agriculture and the environment.
0: Yes. It's, it's a, one of the things is it's, it can be a little complicated and, and it's a nuanced. and, And so sometimes people want simple, you know, like fill in fill you know, check a box, they got it done. For, for too long, the environmental movement and the climate movement and the climate scientists have essentially the message for the last 25 years is coal and oil is bad, solar and wind and electric cars is good, full stop. And we've been doing that, following that mantra, every year, carbon dioxide increases. Every year, there's more intense rain events, storms. And you know, there's, we're not necessarily getting to a, a great solution. And now in the last five years, they've decided to make it even more simple, you know, in terms of like addressing the food and they go, you know, cows are bad, plants are good, plant-based is good and, and a kind of an oversimplification. And and part of what's driving this, both the focus on solar and wind or cows are bad, you know, uh, you know uh, and impulse Burgers is good, Is it can be monetized and people can make a profit in wall street whereas the film kiss the ground goes into really the solution is restoring nature is to mimic nature and that means we need to change our food system and and it's not so neat and tidy you put it into into a box also there was a film called cowspiracy that was done about 10 years ago that is basically eight to ten years ago is you know, half the half of the movie they says that industrial raised, you know, confined animal feedlot for agriculture is a real problem and is horrible for the environment. <clears throat> they got that right. But the, the other half, they got wrong and put out a lot of misinformation. And the idea that we could be growing soybeans in Brazil, you know, spraying all sorts of toxic chemicals, ship those up to, to the United States, then... Crush them uh, and process them using hexane, a, a byproduct of gasoline, <clears throat> which has significant environmental impacts, not only for worker health but for the environment. Then, then take that 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 meal and then ship that around. And some and some of this now is being done in China. The same process and turn it into soy protein isolate. And then and then ship that back to the United States to a manufacturing facility, you know, by truck, and then trucking it um, then to a distributor, and then a distributor, you know, to a retailer, and that that's going to be better for the environment, whereas we could be for those who 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 want a high quality protein. We could. What I like to joke. What I put in that in that article was, is you know, true plant. You know, that's really chemical based. Like the Impossible Burger and these fake foods are really chemical based because they're using lots of chemicals. <clears throat> whereas the 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 hundred percent pastured beef done in a holistic grazing, and we'll get into a minute what holistic grazing is, <clears throat> but that's really plant based because the cows are really just converting. They're they're running on on the energy of the sun, driving photosynthesis in grasses. The, the animals eat the grass, and then we, we, which we're not able to digest as well, and then we consume the, 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 uh, the meat. So that's a much more natural and more regenerative process. But what you read from uh, in The Guardian or in Bloomberg or New York Times, et cetera, is that cows are bad and um, that we should convert to, to plant-based, and, and that's the future. It's, it's a mis- misnomer for sure.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a push for that right now. And to your point, I think it ignores some of these really big issues, which are things like these commercial fertilizers and how they're affecting everything down to our water supply. And from what I've read in articles that you've written, um, there's a very direct impact of these affecting our rivers and also the ocean in, in different ways. So can you walk us through what we're seeing in our water?
0: Yeah. So I wrote, a, wrote an article recently called Make America's Rivers. Blue again, because before agriculture, and and really the the water, actually the color isn't blue, but it's a reflection of the sky. But most most rivers today are uh, in America are have a brown or or greenish or yellowish hue. Uh, they're discolored because of erosion and from from uh, chemical fertilizers and pesticides running off. And so you know whether it's a creek or a stream, or a river or an ocean it's a it's a real issue and uh, the invention of this process which we which we talk about in the film kiss the ground the invention of chemical fertilizer it's essentially it's taking frack natural gas which has massive methane releases there's way more methane released in the manufacture of synthetic fertilizers and uh, fracking but you would never read that in any article one thing it's it's kind of like the biggest conspiracy in the food world today every article that that is on about the environment and food virtually never discusses the release of nitric oxide from synthetic fertilizer plants it's the fastest growing greenhouse gas emissions in in the world but it's never mentioned you know because there's there's the thing to understand part of is There's so much money in in the food industry. It's bigger than the internet. It's bigger than Google and and Facebook combined. And it's because everyone has to eat. And as food prices rise and, and, you know, we, we have all this kind of more modern, you know, kind of a lot of junk food and overly processed food, there's a lot of money to be made. And so, it's very convenient just to switch over and blame uh, you know blame the cows so then they can then they can essentially repackage industrial you know gmo uh, agriculture but but going back to to the waterways so when they use the synthetic fertilizer it's injected in the ground some of the plants absorb that nitrogen and we'll talk about how regenerative agriculture uh, uh, creates nitrogen and, and fertility but then when there's a rainstorm obviously, you know, uh, in, in farm areas and that, that you're going to see, you're going to see rain that's, you know, you you need to have rain for, unless it's irrigated, but a lot of times it's, it's, it's rainfall. Then that, then that fertilizer washes, washes from the field into a little Creek, which then washes into a bigger stream, into a river, and then ends up in the ocean. And we have a 500 square mile dead zone in uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And so the number one contributor to ocean pollution today is uh, not only plastics, but it's also agricultural runoff from, from industry. And it's uh, it kills, it's killing fish. Uh, there's just an article about the, what's those, what's those really lovely uh, mammals that, that, uh, that are right around the Florida waterways, a manatee. And manatees are being poisoned from, from uh, synthetic uh, fertilizer, uh, synthetic pesticides like Roundup from Monsanto. So that's that's a little about the waterways, definitely. And, and also into our wells. So if we want to take care of our waters and, and have healthy you know, drinking water, <clears throat> healthy rainwater, we need to have healthy soil. And that, that begins with regenerative agriculture and moving away from industrial uh, agricultural chemicals. And to circle back on how does regenerative agriculture differ in terms of 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 the conventional agriculture, chemical agriculture, is we use uh, we grow plants in rotation with other crops, such as like uh, alfalfa or clover, to um, fix nitrogen from the atmosphere, put it back into the into the into the ground, uh, into the soil, and also integrate livestock. So, like uh, Gabe Brown, who's the star, one of the stars in the film of *Kiss the Ground*, is a, a rancher north in uh, North Dakota. Likes to say he'll like grow a, a winter a, a cover crop. He'll plant different different crops, such as such as like radishes, and then he'll bring cows in. The cows will eat that grass. They'll eat the they'll eat some of those crops. And then they'll, they'll poo and they'll pee and they'll, they'll transform and create biological activity in the, in the soil. And so instead of using fertilizer from chemicals, they're just using um, from the cows uh, that natural process. It's, it's more eco- economical. So the farmer makes more money and it's more ecological.
1: Yeah, that's an important point that when you consider the whole ecosystem, livestock can really be a huge part of the solution and aren't necessarily the problem at all. I think we can all agree that CAFO farms are not the answer. I think that's actually one area where kind of all of the health camps would seem to agree. I don't know anyone who is uh, an outspoken advocate of feedlot and CAFO farms. Um, but to circle back to a point you made also about the waterway. So I live close to one of these dead zones in the ocean. And I wondered if that could actually be a reason for some of the different red bloom. I think they call it all these different things that affect the air quality and the water quality at different times of the year. But I know it's it, people who don't live near the ocean, it's easy to kind of not have those things be top of mind and not think about how big of a deal they are. But I want to go a little bit deeper on this idea that the ocean is our also our largest source of oxygen and phytoplankton are necessary literally for survival of everything on this planet. So talk about that a little bit more, because as we kill off the health of our ocean and of our waterways, it's not affecting just the water. It very, in a very real way, threatens pretty much every life on the planet, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the number one underrated environmental issue on the planet today is the ocean acidification and the dying off of our plankton. And the reason why plankton outside of the, the nitrogen runoff is the legacy load of, of carbon. that's in the atmosphere that's been from, from uh, tilling the soil burning fossil fuels you know clearing clearing forests clearing wetlands over the last you know thousand thousand two thousand years that legacy load is in the atmosphere and over time that that carbon drops down and where do you think it falls into into the ocean so that carbon falls into the ocean and and plankton what we call acidification in the ocean has increased by 30% in the last 50 years. And so the plankton is is slowly starting to die off. And when scientists take ocean water and they increase it, like increase the percentage of carbon in the water to what we project by 2040, all of the plankton just dissolves. So they need that balance Um, just like our stomach needs a particular type of balance, like our pH, there, there's this thing that, that in, in nature, there's a balance. If you get way too much rain or too, too much drought, you know, is gonna cause an issue. And so we're not really paying attention. So at the current rate of how humanity, uh, we are living on this planet by 2040, there won't be a fish, a dolphin or a whale living in the ocean. And then it goes even further in terms of agriculture Currently, 70% of all winged insects, I'm talking about bees, butterflies, <clears throat> bumblebees, you know, uh, you know, other winged insects, we've lost 75% since 1980s because of, of primarily of industrial agriculture spraying chemicals. And we're losing 1% to 2% a year, according to the National Geographic. At our current rate by 2035, there may not be any Insects, uh, you know, to speak of, which means that there's no food for the birds, and there's not to to pollinate our crops. So we're in, we are in a, a very tough situation. I've been an environmentalist. Since I was 21 when they dumped nuclear waste near my nine miles from my house. And that really upset me. And that was 40 years ago. And and I've been yelling and screaming. I I try now to be a little more entertaining when I try to talk to people to like, hey, maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't destroy this planet. You know, we don't we don't have a plan B. Our our plan A is to take care of this planet. And you know, the idea to think that we're gonna spend, you know, the, the folly of people like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk to spend billions of dollars to go to try to colonize Mars when both of those men don't seem to even understand how soil works or, or Bill Gates for that matter, you know, which, which wants to move us all to synthetic beef. And, 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 you know, you know, when someone asked him, I said, well, what, you know, what about these hundreds of thousands of acres of of, of ag land you have that, you know, you know, what about, how's that related? He says, well, that's not related to my climate. That's just my investment advisors did that. Wow. So we have a, you know, and, and Kate, it kind of, you know, I, I, as as an old white man, I can kind of say this, but the problems we face today is a lot of times is it's old white men that are just that are focused on money and, and that have, have been brought up in a system that tries to put everything in a compartment. Gates is like, oh, I have like five billion dollars I I spend on on climate stuff on, on my investing in climate and thing, and then all everything else, my investments in Monsanto and farmland, where I'm spraying Monsanto, and and you know, I'm gonna buy a jet a jet system, you know, all those other things are somehow separate. Cause his mind, well, he he's he's got so much money that he's putting on this, and that's that mindset. We live in a holistic system, and you know, indigenous people understand that. And us in this modern world, we either need to understand and honor nature more, and restore nature. And nature is very resilient, so we have the potential to restore nature, regenerate nature. That's what regenerative agriculture speaks of, and we can do that and 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 have a, create a, a more dynamic future, or we can continue on this path, and have a very bleak future. You know, I try not to candy coat things. Things are things are in a very tough situation. Things are way worse than than the scientists and politicians are letting people know. Um, we're going to start seeing more storms. We're going to see more droughts. You know, more more of, of these kind of weather events until we start to to re you know rethink of how we're how we're living. And and something called the it's interesting that I've learned something called the the water cycle, the small water cycle that. That by merely re-greening and reforesting lands and and improving the grasslands and um, improving agricultural lands, keeping it always covered, we can actually impact weather. We We can actually create more rain in areas that are dry by restoring nature. And that's, uh, and that's something that more and more people are starting to learn. But a lot of environmentalists didn't even know. I really didn't even understand that concept until 10 years ago. I mean, I knew the idea is rainforest. actually, the, the, the forests actually release like isotopes and other things that connect with the cloud system and incur, you know, uh, and connect and have, have formed rain clouds in areas. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating uh, subject. And uh, the more we can learn and respect nature, the better we're going to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My son is very into a lot of these issues as well. He's 14 and um, he was on my podcast when he released a cookbook and I asked him a question related to the environment and basically how we should be trying to fix these things. And he made a good point. He's like, mom, you're asking the wrong question. At the end of the day, nature's going to win. We need to fix this so that we can continue to exist in it. But at the end of the day, it's an organism that's going to reset itself. Um, And you mentioned the insects, which I think are a really important point as well, Um, probably just as close to as important as the oceans and the water supply. And in your article, you quoted a doctor who said that um, this isn't just a bee problem. The bees are the canary in the coal mine. This is the worst mass extinction event the planet has ever experienced. Agriculture has become much too simplified. And probably a lot of people listening have heard some of these statistics about the bee population declining. But I don't think many people realize just how, again, just like the water issue, just how this truly affects all life on the planet. And I know this also links into the idea of GMOs. And we have big voices in society saying GMOs are the answer. And it's the only way we can feed everyone on earth and very uh, promotional of, of GMO practices. Can you kind of take on that issue as well and talk about all these genetically modified crops and how that's led to more pesticide and fertilizer use.
0: Yeah. I think one thing will I want to go back to a you know tell a story about when when I was a younger man maybe in my 30s uh, I was I was at a went to a natural food show. You might have heard the the Expo West uh and they have you know back then there was 10,000 you know 8,000 people would go you know when they had the last time they had it before covid there was like 85,000 and there was There was a farmer, a really, uh, his name was Dick Harder. He was like really big guy, like six, eight, really giant of a, of a man. And he was, he was a rice farmer and he was an ecological farmer. And he, he was one of the few farmers that, you know, really kind of didn't want to use chemicals back in the sixties, you know? And he says, John, after World War, you remember him telling this story. It was just like, it was yesterday. He said, after World War II, what did America and England have a lot of? They had plane factories and bomb factories, and you know they had the planes for the war, and and they had the bombs to drop the bombs on the people. And essentially, after the after World War II, they decided, well, okay, what are we going to do to get the economy going? They decided to create a new war, and guess what that war was against? I don't know nature. So they decided they de- declared war on nature, and the new enemy was bugs. <clears throat> so they were going to drop, you know bombs on the bugs. They're also gonna they're gonna also drop bombs in the in the in the soils for chemical fertilizer. You know a lot of a lot of these bombs that explode are are made from synthetic fertilizer. And so we started that up and now we've realized that so many, so much you know devastation and we haven't we haven't declared a ceasefire. We need to just declare a, a ceasefire against that. And the companies that were making the chemicals that they used in World War II in Auschwitz to kill Jewish people, those same companies are the ones that are, are in charge of, of food policy in the world today. Bayer is a, is a World War II German chemical war crimes company. They purchased Monsanto and every GMO seed that is sold in the world today is dipped in a synthetic pesticide called Neonic. Neonic coats the seed. It's 5,000 times more toxic than Roundup. It expresses itself in every part of the gene of the plant and it's one of the reasons why bees and butterflies are dying so rapidly. So in the morning, when the dew is sets on the on the, the corn plants, <clears throat> bees come and drink the water off of the corn. And when they drink that, drink that moisture, they're ingesting the neonics into the bees. And over time the bees die. And that's going on all, all insects. We don't need that, that, that neonic. And it's hard to even get it. They're even selling it in nursery plants. So when you go to the local nursery and put some flowers or whatever into your implants, into your yard, you're spreading that also. And they don't tell you. It's been banned in England and all of us. I mean, in France, uh, in many cases, and they're and they're finding out they're, they're, the bees are making a a, a, a better um in increase in population. <clears throat> so that's the way all, that's the way every, uh, the, the GMO starts there and they're designed 98% of all GMOs um, sold in the world today are designed to have applications for, for spraying, uh, toxic pesticides. So, so when, when GMO crops were introduced in the nineties, that's when, when the increase, the amount of increase of pesticides, herbicides. And so, so we've just gotten used to just spraying, so you know, as I remember, you know one of my one of my friends who uh, was a farmer. And we were driving along, and he's an organic farmer. He says, "See out there? There's not a weed in the field. You know, we just they just spray it like clockwork. You know, two or three times." So that's the problem with with the GMOs, and also, you know, essentially they're fi- they're they're taking a gene gun and they're injecting a virus, you know, into the cell. You know, so one of the things is the scientists. Who, who worked at the FDA, when they, when they introduced these, they, they said, well, there should be some studies. They should do a double blind study, feed people, so many people, GMO foods and so many people not GMO foods. They never did that. They just said, they said oh, these are, these are substantially equivalent. So there's no difference between a GMO corn and non-GMO corn. Then when that same company went to the, went to the patent office, went to the Supreme Court, they go, oh, <clears throat> this is a completely different. Yeah, we want to get a patent on it. But they said it was completely, they said it was equivalent the same. So depending on, you know, you know, depending on which agency door they walked in, they had a different story. <clears throat> well, well, the scientists said if if you introduce GMOs to the to the public, there's a potential that we're gonna see increases in allergies, you're gonna see increases in, in other health health issues. And of course, we've we've seen what's exploded. I mean. In the 1960s and 70s, people didn't have peanut allergies. There wasn't, you know, gluten issues. We've seen a massive amount of that, you know, and and part of that, uh, I believe, is is all the uh, is not only the uh, the the Roundup, you know, which which can also block absorption of minerals, you know, Roundup that was that's that's the the brand name for Monsanto, the glyphosate. It was actually originally designed as a descaler, so they use it in industrial cooling systems. In tanks, where it would strip the strip the minerals off the tank, so it's basically stripping minerals from people's body, and uh, you know there's just a lot of issue. The, the corruption in Washington D.C. is so significant, uh, and so they're able to get away with a lot of a lot of um, really uh, bad bad things, but. You know that's why it's so important to go towards more regenerative and organic. The challenge with organic, though, is less than one percent of acres are, are are grown certified organic in the United States. <clears throat> most of the most of the crops uh, that that make up the organic food you buy in stores is imported. You know, six six percent of sales are certified organic in the United States, and only one one percent of of the crops are grown organic. So much, much of it's imported, and and sadly, some of it is based on fraud. You know, the corn. The soy, quinoa, chia—you know—so uh, it's a, it is a sad situation that we've we've allowed our, our food system to be messed up, and we really people need to take responsibility and learn more, and and, and regenerative agriculture offers a pathway um, for people to do that. But people need to learn more, and now's the time to you know write your senators and representatives, and let's let's hope hope that there's going to be some more positive change in in uh, both in Washington D.C. because farmers. Can definitely are interested in this. They they need to be more. There needs to be more education. But also, farmers get so little. So I'll give just give you. uh, uh, I'll I'll give you an example of how little farmers are. The the amount of dollars that farmers get of the food pie is less and less every year. It's the lowest on record. So in 1980, farmers got eight cents a pound for for wheat. I I want people who are listening to this, just take a guess how much you think farmers are getting paid 41 years later for, for wheat per pound. I don't know. It's 11 cents. Now, if you're the farmer, how much has their insurance policy gone up? How much has their diesel fuel gone up? How much does it cost them to buy new, uh, new, um, uh, you know, spark plugs or, you know, get their car, uh, their car fixed. And, and, you know, obviously it's gone way more than, than from eight to 11. And then how much does it cost for a loaf of bread in the United States? So one of the things I've, I've recently done is I've researched a lot about wheat in, in the industry. And, and it's so amazing. One thing I, I just wanted to, kind of, if I could riff on that for a minute, you'll see that the, so many companies selling flour, saying unbleached. And, and that essentially is the code word that that you want to avoid if you whenever you see a flour like a wheat flour it says unbleached what that means is that flour it's just it's it's there like kind of a way to say well this is good for you so we don't bleach it like the worst ones but you know if you look on the back of the nutrition panel that unbleached there basically there's no fiber like why would you bake bread with no fiber They've removed, they basically removed all the vitamin E, all the B vitamins, all the minerals, all the selenium, very, very, very little magnesium. So, you know, they're whitening their nutritional stripping. And then one of the things that they're doing is they're adding enriched, they're quote enriching it with, they're put in uh, synthetic vitamins and then on mineral, and then, then they put iron they actually put metal shavings in to, to reach the iron levels in, in the flour industry in the United States. It is an abomination. And um, one of the things that's causing a lot of allergies for people is since the 1940s, they started hybridizing wheat and changing it. So there are are what they call heirloom grains, such as, and I've really, you know, Katie, I've really, I've been drinking out of the fire hose the last six weeks, five four, five, six weeks, really learning more about, because I'm working more in, in Kansas and Nebraska <clears throat> with farmers and ranchers to build a regenerative movement right in the heart of the country and the, in the vast Great Plains and, and, uh, you know, really learned a lot, but there's, there's these varieties <clears throat> called like Turkey, red <clears throat> Sonoran, white, uh, red fife that were brought over, you know, in the seven, 1800s you know, fr- um, when people came to the United States. A matter of fact, I talked to a, one farmer and he's growing 30 acres of turkey red and it has a different protein and and, and structure. And, and his his great-great-grandparents came from Crimea in the 1890s. And, they, and before they came out, the, they sent their kids out into the fields to put some of these seeds, these grains in their pockets to bring over and then plant. And it has a different gluten and protein structure. And people who have, issues around consuming wheat seem to do better not for people who are you know or celiac but who have who have slight issue you know have some 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 bloating or or other issues so it's really interesting but this enriching of the wheat product is a real problem and so there's kind of a, a renaissance in heirloom grains and a new way to grow and growing and and I can explain to you uh, a little about how some of these farmers are growing wheat differently than than conventional or even organic farmers.
1: Yeah, let's go a little bit deeper on that because I know this is a growing thing, and as I've learned even just a little bit about it, it is really kind of terrifying.
0: Yeah. So the more I found about what's going on, and, and there's some people even talking that this this enriching these these uh, vi- synthetic vitamins and minerals, etc., and especially the 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 metals shape. This is also a major health issue, and it's it's virtually in all products. So like everyone is eating. Uh, you know I think twenty five percent of the calories in America is, is wheat, <clears throat> but we could transform and make you know, you know, uh, you know I joke, make wheat great again, you know if we if we stopped spraying all the you know, you know went, went off using synthetic chemicals and also started using more of these heirloom varieties, you know uh, which they have about half as much yield, so they cost a little more. but but they're they're much, you know much better for you. But one of the one of the um, this that uh, farmer I was telling you about that that grows this heirloom variety. So when, when he go, before he goes out and he puts the he puts the the, the wheat seed in his, his planting mixer, he throws in he threw in some clover, and a radish a radish mix, <clears throat> and so so now so he plants the wheat, and as the wheat starts to come up, also coming up is is uh, is a cover crop. But it's more of like a companion crop, so while the wheat's growing, he's also keeping the ground covered and and things are growing and also fixing nitrogen so it gets you get a little better yield, you get more you know habitat, and it's restoring the soil and increasing the biodiversity so we can grow some of these perennial you know these annual crops with other crops at the same time, but it's funny I was talking to about thirty far- thirty farmers on a couple of calls recently, and they were all like. I don't know about that. You know, someone was like, oh, I can't do that. And then and I get off the call. A couple of them are saying, say, John, I've been doing that for like seven years. It's not that big a deal. But he says, that's a no brainer. But pe- the farmers are just like, you know, like Katie, how hard is it for you to change some people's diets? Right. Yeah. They're just used to it. Right. <laughs> we're creatures of habit. You know, it's like, you know, like like, well, well, why do you hike at this one place? Well, I mean, there's another place you could hike that's just just right down the road. Well, I just kind of like this other hiking trail. You know, we're we kind of have our little things. So so we're you know, with the regenerative agriculture. It's about working with people and and, and educating them. And, and that's that's one of the things I'm, I'm actually with these farmers and ranchers. We're, we're working to create a new co-op that's going to be a farmer owned co-op that is gonna grow some of these heirloom grains in a better way and and actually grow it, mill it and package it and sell it. And it's called Farmer Eve, it's just just an ideation phase. But the idea is to try to help the farmers to participate more instead of getting less and less of the food pie, because some of these farmers, they wanna commit suicide, they're depressed. I mean, some of them are so messed up, they're going like, you mean my great grandfather came here you know with a with a pick and an axe and a and a bag of salt and a, and a shovel and and a and some clothes, and that was it and and now I have this beautiful farm, and i'm going to be the last you know the fourth generation i'm going to be the one that loses the farm because I don't make it economically you know they a lot of pressure on that they feel i'm i'm like the i'm the i'm the f up so we have to deal with there's a lot of mental health issues with the farmers. They're getting older and, and their kids don't want to farm, you know. So there's some some challenges out there. We have to address that. And and getting unless the farmer gets a bigger piece of the pie, how are we going to get them to really focus on regeneration? And, and if we don't get farmers focused on regeneration, we're not gonna have any bugs around. We're not gonna have an ocean alive. If we don't have winged insects, if we don't have ocean, how do you think we're gonna live in, in 2040? I don't think it's gonna be so, it's not so, so viable. So really let's regenerate. Let's, let's use the power of soil health. If we get soil right, if we have healthy soil, then we have healthy plants. If we have healthy plants, we get healthy animals. You know, and we have a healthy climate, we have a healthy ocean.
1: Yeah, I think another thing that's gotten popular with a lot of great marketing recently is a lot of these fake meat products or um, I guess like plant-based meat alternatives. I don't think they, you can actually call them meat in any form. But based on what you've already said, it seems like these are really just pouring fuel on the fire using these like really harsh agricultural products and then trying to make them look like meat. And I know they're a controversial topic right now, but what are you finding when it comes to these like growing movements of fake meat?
0: it can be, if you can monetize it, they will build it. The goal is to make billions and billions and billions. And these venture capitalists are all putting money you know, from Bill Gates you know, on down. So there is a lot of money to be made to, to, help, to help ranchers convert and to make soil, uh, healthy grasslands. That's not so profitable in their view. But really the largest area in the, of land is grasslands. It's not, it's not farmlands. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, in grasslands, a lot of the grasslands are denuded because of poor grazing. So, you know, the current meat industry isn't regenerative and isn't sustainable, and we need to, we need to improve it. But the, the idea with how this works is, on the grass, the cows will come in on a regenerative system. They'll come in. And they, they they try to mimic the herds of like buffalo, where it's they come in 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 large large batches, large groups, and and when they they bring in, let's say the grass is about knee high. So when they come in, and they'll you know, munch it down like about a third and then they move them and they won't come back for another year or six months. Now that grass comes back up and and you start to get more perennial grasses and the grasses get stronger. Whereas if you leave the cows in the same area, they just munch it all the way down. Then the grass grows a little more, it munches down and then the root system gets weaker. And the reason why we want more complex and diverse root systems, that's where the plants, they use the, the carbon and transform it through a process. Uh, and to sequester carbon and and uh, turn it into into you know a living root system. And the degree that we do that is the degree that we are going to be successful as a species, and so are other species. So really, we actually need more cows. And as you restore the land, there's one gentleman that's in the Chihuahua desert. He's taken. Where, um, where it's like brittle environment, only five, you know, four or five inches of rain sometimes, he's increased the amount of, of herds they can run on the land by by 10 times, and they increase the biodiversity, they increase birds, increase the grass species and, and other species, but it has to be done, you know, in a, in a more holistic lens, and and there's more and more resources, and I encourage everyone to watch the film, you know, Kiss the Ground, and that's a, a really, a, you know, a good movie to do, and there's a uh, there's another book out, uh, Diana Rogers. What's the name of that that book? Uh,
1: uh, Sacred Cow I think?
0: Sacred cow, yeah, and if you want to learn about that. But you know, I mean, I was a longtime vegetarian, and I used to bash meat, you know, you know, back back thirty years ago. so my friends kind of chuckle with me now. <laughs> so uh, but uh, you know we can always learn, and and that's one thing, you know, it's like do we have the do we have the ability inside of us to say, you know, maybe I wasn't right? maybe, maybe I need to learn a new way. And uh, so we're uh, the new way, the new past, but really it's an old way, really, you know, regeneration, taking care of of nature. Indigenous people understand that and, uh, and a lot of old time farmers and we're just, you know, what is old is coming back to new.
1: I have so much respect for you in being willing to consistently ask those questions. It's something I try to do as well as every year, make a list of things I, firmly believed to be true and then challenge myself on them intentionally, realizing if I'm right, I've only learned more. And if I'm wrong, it was really important to challenge those things. And I think it was Charlie Munger who said, you know, any year that he doesn't overturn one firmly held belief, he considers a failure. And I think that's a a very tough thing for many of us is to be willing to challenge, especially firmly held beliefs. So uh, a lot of respect for you in doing that. This podcast is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy Lights. Red light therapy, also known as photobiomodulation, is gaining popularity and with good reason. Many people swear by red light therapy for skin health and to help slow the aging process, but research shows that it can benefit the body in many ways. In fact, in a recent episode of this podcast, one guest explained how dramatically light impacts the body, influencing everything from sleep to hormones and much, much more. He explained that some research shows that red light can actually help protect against damage from too much artificial blue light exposure or too much sun exposure. And I've noticed this as well, that if I spend time... getting red light naturally in the morning from morning sun or spend time in front of my red light therapy light i tend to have better sun tolerance throughout the day and so this has been part of my personal strategy for mitigating sun damage while living in a very sunny climate and spending lots of time in the sun Red light does naturally occur at some times of day, too, like the morning and evening around sunset. So that's another great reason to spend time outside first thing in the morning with your family, sipping a cup of coffee or watching the sunset. But for those of us who can't make that an everyday habit, at-home red lights like Juve are a great solution, and I have one in my bedroom at home. You can learn more about Juve and about red light therapy and lock in an exclusive wellness mama discount by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama. That's J O O V V.com forward slash wellness mama. This podcast is sponsored by Haya health. That's Haya H I Y A a new approach to kids' vitamins. At Haya, they believe that many kids' vitamins create more problems than they solve, basically as candy in disguise with as much as two teaspoons of sugar and all kinds of gummy additives you don't want your kids eating and you probably don't want sitting on their teeth either. Haya is made without the sugar or the junk and kids love them just as much. They arrive straight to your door on the pediatrician recommended schedule. The other great part about Haya, your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle so your kids can personalize it with stickers, and then every month after, they just send you a no-plastic refill pouch full of vitamins, which means that Haya isn't just great for your kids, it's also good for the environment and eco-friendly. Check them out and learn more at HayaHealth.com forward slash wellnessmama. That's H-I-Y-A Health.com forward slash Mama. And I want to make sure we really delve into the solutions as well. Um, you've mentioned carbon and how there's a lot of misunderstanding and kind of that carbon equation and how this is actually a big part of the reason that cows um, are not only not the problem, but are a big part of the solution. And I know you've done a lot of really important work with Great Plains Regeneration from, uh, and some of your efforts with this, but walk us through basically the basics of that carbon equation and how regenerative agriculture can actually be the solution to all of these problems.
0: It's as simple as we want to take the the legacy load of carbon. And instead of looking at it as as a waste, we want to look at it as a resource. So uh, what drives soil fertility is carbon. Carbon is our ally. Carbon is our friend. Um, But, you know, for too long, we've heard from like Al Gore and, and from the environmentalists, carbon is bad. It's really a lost opportunity. And, um, Um, we want to increase, uh, you know, the plants uh, and there's, and regenerative agriculture is done in multiple ways. Uh, One is literally, um, instead of when you drive by a farmer's field and you, and you see it all bare, we want to cover the soil. So when it rains, that water is absorbed into the, into the ground and builds the groundwater, you know, and, and the, in the great plains, the Iguala reservoir is, is slowly drying up because much of the soil is uncovered. So if we cover the soil, that's, that's a really key thing we want to increase biodiversity. So just like we're saying this, this, um, um, this heirloom wheat farmer, um, Darren Unruh, um, that, that, um, I'm working with in, in Kansas, instead of just when he grows wheat, he doesn't only grow wheat, he grows clover and, and, um, you know, other, other crops with it. So you want to increase the biodiversity. So, so regenerative farmers, uh, would not won't just grow three crops like corn, soy, wheat, corn, soy, wheat, corn, soy, wheat, they'll grow five, six, seven, or eight. I'm actually going out to Nebraska next in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to meet a man named David Vetter. And there's a, um, there's a movie called A Vetter World, uh, V-E-T-E-T-T-E-R. Um, his, his father decided to become an organic farmer uh, in, in the, in 1953 and gave up all the chemicals, <clears throat> you know, and so they do a lot of different. So, and they also incorporate corporate animals. So, so like when the, like when, uh, some of these wheat farmers, when they finish up growing the wheat crop, um, and they have some of these, some of these, some of these other companion crops growing, they'll, they'll bring in the cows in they'll, they'll munch on that and convert that into protein and also regenerate the land by, you know, by, you know, through it's the cow's manure and urine. So, Uh, And that really, it really, you know, but the, but the synthetic version is they'd rather just buy synthetic fertilizers, which, which Wall Street makes a lot of money on. So the whole plant-based movement is really being used by Wall Street and Monsanto to sell a vision to, you know, to to a a, a gullible American public. But, you know, people like you and I were trying to educate people, you know, on that. So, so um, and, and then, you know, doing more biodiverse, you know, crops. I'm not tilling the soil so much to go into no till um, going to perennial systems. So there's a biodynamic uh, uh, farmer up in Montana, every 200 feet for their crops, for their wheat and their grains, they have 20 feet of, of, of for insects and, and biodiversity. Other ones are growing, um, growing uh, tree crops. Uh, um, so they grow trees, uh, you know, in different areas. So just, you know, increasing the biodiversity increases soil health and also regenerative agriculture is more nutrient dense. The, the more uh, the more nutrition we have in the soil, we can become more, you know, get uh, the, the, the food is more nutrient dense. Also, the nutrition. of of regenerative beef is much more so than plant-based or CAFO meat. Um, Regenerative beef with grass, where the cows are eating 100% or lamb, 100% grass, it has like five times the amount of vitamin E, much more omega-3 and less omega-6. So, um, you know, again, healthy soil, healthy grass, healthy plants, healthy animals, healthy people, healthy planet.
1: Yeah. And as you've explained, it's such an important and timely thing for us to all get on board with. How can each of us in our own communities, in our own families, in our own areas contribute to these regenerative practices, both in how we spend our food dollars and also in things we can do at our homes or in our communities?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And I put six of them in that article. I want to encourage people to read that article. It's a a little dense, the the, uh, Make America's Rivers Blue Again. Uh, One thing is, uh compost i encourage everyone to compost take your food scraps your 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 leaf clippings and 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 if you if you live in an apartment or condo you can put your food scraps in the freezer and and, and then you know if they don't have a, a city program you know take it out when you go go out to the country or whatever i know that sounds crazy but i like literally you know returning organic matter to the soil is important um get to know your farmer um, if you are going to eat meat, definitely eat meat that's regenerative. We need more cows in the land, not less, <clears throat> which is the exact opposite the environment. One thing I want to say is, all since I wrote that article, every major environmental organization that I called out and and the and the companies, they, they they won't even they hardly will even criticize the article. They're afraid. They like the CEO of, of Impossible Burger, they don't even want to get on a on a discussion because they know that they're that they're not based on truth. It's just a marketing campaign. But you really need so so know your farmer, purchase better food quality, you know, go to a farmer's market, eat more local, more organic, more regenerative, eat a diverse type of things. Um, also in your vesting. Are you in? Are, is your four hundred and one k? Are you in a mutual fund that has shares in, in Monsanto? So don't invest in Monsanto. Um, contact your member of Congress, and because right now they're trying to discuss with the the new Biden administration, are they going to focus on regenerative agriculture? We're starting to get some 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 better signs. Um, are we going to do that? Um, um, I think that's that's important. And and if you can volunteer, help out, you know, help one of your farmers, maybe you can invest in a local farmer, you know, maybe you could volunteer, um, you know, right now, maybe one out of 10,000, one out of 20,000 people are really active. If we could get, if we could get one in 500 people really on board on plan on, on, to regenerate planet earth, we could make a huge change. We just need, we just need five times as many people to show up in the next couple of years. And we are, it's, it's more than it was maybe 10 years ago. So we are making progress.
1: I love the advice about composting. I will definitely make sure that the article you've mentioned is linked in the show notes as well as those six things we can all do. Um, And I have some posts about composting and how to get started for any of you guys who are new to that. Um, I'll also link to the documentary and to your various efforts, as well as to the Sacred Cow book that you mentioned and to your books. Are there any other starting places where you'd recommend people to keep learning about these issues?
0: Yeah, I'd encourage Kiss the Ground, the nonprofit. And there's a 45 minute educational video for kiss the ground uh, movie for both farmers and, and, and for, for um, schools. And that's available. Uh, It's on Netflix. Um, So share, yeah, definitely share, use your social platform to do that Uh, um, for people who are ranchers or farmers. They want to learn soil for climate as a good Facebook group to learn more about some of these issues. And uh, also mangroves, Uh, restoring mangroves is probably one of the f- best things we can do to, to, regenerate our planet. And it restores, you know, both, man- you know, mangroves and grasslands. Those are two areas we really need to do. And Alan Savory is one of the ones that that's been, that's been researching the grasslands for the last 40 years. Um, so, so those are some of the things. And then you can also follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. And I, uh, and then Great Plains Regeneration. We have a lot of good information at greatplainsregeneration.org. And there's the carbon underground. There's lots, of, lots of different uh, groups that are that are doing good stuff. And and ask your food company. Ask your food company. Say what are you doing about regener- regeneration? Even General Mills has made a commitment to to regenerate, uh, use regenerative agriculture practices on a million acres. So some of the large companies, Danone. So contact your food company. Get involved. And uh, you know now's the time. This is you know it's as in basketball. It's like game's up. The ball's up on you know being thrown up. What are we going to do? Let's uh, let's, let's regenerate and uh, make a better world.
1: I will link all those resources for you guys listening at wellnessmama.fm in the show notes. You can find them and keep learning. A little bit of an unrelated question, but I always love to ask at the end of interviews if there is a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life, and if so, what they are and why.
0: I think The Ecology of Commerce by Paul Hawken in the 1980s when I decided to become when I was in environmental, I decided to become envi- combine environmentalism and business. The, the company I founded, Nativa. Uh, uh, so, psychology conference w- was great. I think *Myths of Avalon* and, and *The Way of the Weird* were two kind of kind of mythical um, historical books about uh, you know my ancestries, the Kel- the Celts. So, those had th- those had uh, impact on me as as, as well.
1: Perfect. I will link those as well. John, thank you for all the work you're doing in this area. This was definitely an enlightening episode. I, I learned a lot and I hope that we can reach that critical mass of five times the number of people and start reversing some of these problems.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thanks for taking me uh, on as a guest today. And uh, you keep up all the good work educating folks and uh, and taking care of your six, six, uh, six kids and uh, have them be uh, regenerative warriors as they grow up as well.
1: Thank you. And thanks as always to all of you for listening and for sharing your most valuable resources, your time and your energy with us today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families could benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.